Please turn in your Old Testament to Genesis chapter 27, verses 41, and we're going to move over into Genesis 28 through verse 9 as we continue in our new sermon series, our third week of Destination Transformation. It's a story of Jacob's life. It's the story of our lives and how God works with sinners and transforms us. This is the the story of how Jacob, because of what he's done to his brother, literally has to run for his life. Genesis 27, verse 41. These are the very words of God. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee. To Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. And then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one single day? Then Rebekah said to her husband Isaac, I loathe my life. Because of the Hittite women that Esau has married. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Jacob called, and then Isaac called Jacob, his son, and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise. And go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham and to your offspring, With you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. And so Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. This passage is important to us this morning because this passage shows us. That even when we have blown it, and I mean even when we have blown it badly, still God loves us. Even when we, have, we find ourselves in places in our lives that we should not be, still God will lead us, still God has a plan for us, and still there is redemption for our situation. We are never beyond the redemption 
of what can happen in our lives as God leads us. In this passage, uh, Jacob has swindled his brother Esau out of his birthright because Esau was the oldest and was supposed to get the birthright. He swindled him out of his birthright, swindled him out of the blessing given to that that oldest son to carry the, the family line. And now Esau has sworn to kill his brother Jacob. And now Jacob has to flee, has to run for his life. And so that's what's going on here. But you need to understand why this is so much more than Jacob fleeing from something. Jacob will flee from his brother, but Jacob will flee to redemption. What an interesting idea. Fleeing to redemption. Now you would think that, you know, if you could draw God's will for our lives, you would think that all the the lines of our lives would be really beautiful and straight and just kind of going up and blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That's not the way we would grasp our lives with God. They're, they're not nice and clean. They're, they're, they're not always, you know, going up and up and always in the right direction. Now, in this passage, it was prophesied that kind of the unthinkable was going to happen when the twins, Esau and Jacob, were in their mother Rebekah's womb. How interesting was it that God prophesied to Rebekah it's not going to be the older that's going to be the leader here. It's going to be the younger. That's, that's a flip. That's a choice by God. And the, the, the older will serve the younger. It's going to be Jacob and not Esau. And it turns out that Jacob flees from Esau back to Paddan Aram, what we call Mesopotamia, kind of Iraq. Okay, he flees back to Iraq in the in, in those old days to Mesopotamia, and uh, and this is actually as we are kind of just amazed at how deceitful Jacob is, amazed at how his mama will lie and how he will lie, and he's stealing things, and he's an awful person. This is this this passage today. This is the turn. Remember, this is called destination transformation. It's about where we're going. This is the beginning of God's work of transformation in Jacob's life. And uh, he's fleeing from one place to find, and it, tur- it will turn out that he will find his wife. Now, he'll have to come back because he's actually going to find two. And he didn't want to, but he's going to end up with two, and their names are going to be Leah and Rachel. But as God begins to turn Jacob's life, as God begins to work in Jacob's life, this scoundrel, the deceiver, the one that was grabbing the heel, the heel catcher of his brother coming out of the womb, he is going to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. God's got a lot of work to do in his life, and the covenant will be advanced. So let's, let's, let's take a look at Jacob fleeing for his life. And then Jacob fleeing to redemption. And what that means for me and you as we come to God's scriptures today. 
He's fleeing for his life because Esau, it says in verse 41, is bent on revenge. Esau hated his brother Jacob. I'm going to wait till my dad dies. I'm going to wait till the appropriate time of mourning is over. And then I will kill my brother. And those words we read are, are kind of heard. You know, people lived in tents back then, and it wasn't like you could say anything and not be. If you think your walls are paper thin, just imagine what a piece of cloth is. So people are always eavesdropping on people in the Bible. If you read the, the Old Testament, you're like, wow, they all heard what everybody was saying. And uh, somebody heard Esau say, I'm going to kill him. And so they ran to both of their mother and said, Esau's going to kill him. Your youngest son. And so Rebecca, as she is known to do, she just jumps right into action. She is going to devise a plan. And um, she says, look, you got to leave. He's going to kill you. And, and you got to go to where my people live in Padam Aram in Haran. you got to go back there and live among them. She thinks he's going to be gone for just a short period of time. And Esau is going to be okay. Doesn't turn out that way. If you want to hear just about a dysfunctional family and the destruction of a family, go online and listen to last week's message about what, what it means to be in a dysfunctional family. I said I'm from one and I lead one myself. We are all sinners. So let me tell you, this is an Old Testament family that is so broken and sad. And there is no way to keep this family together. No way. It's just not going to happen. Um, you've got to see that this is more than just Jacob moving away. Now, we hear, Jacob the son moved away. We're like, well, yeah, don't all our children go off somewhere? No, the answer is in the Bible, they hardly ever went off somewhere. You understand, they're raised in the home. You understand that you didn't, like, get to go out to find your dreams, you didn't get to go out to find this, this vocation and your place in this world. You did, if you were a male, you did vocationally what your daddy did. You stayed right there and did what he did. And uh, that's why Jesus of Nazareth was a carpenter. Because Joseph, his father, was a carpenter. And, and look, now if you're, you're like, this is really wild that... That Jacob's going to have to leave the, the family unit and Esau's going to leave too. Now you can see kind of how radical the call of Abraham was back in Genesis 12. Remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1? He says, get up and go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land I will show you. Two things are striking about that. One is God didn't tell him where he was going. This is by faith Abraham is going to leave, not knowing where he's going. The other is, is that Abraham's being ripped away by God from his family of origin. And here it is. It's get up in this passage. Jacob, rise, get up, and run as fast as you can away from Esau. Leave. I'm sure that when those, those little twins were little and they were playing together, I'm sure that Rebecca and her playgroup never said, one day both of my children are going to leave. She thought it would be just a short time. He came back 
20 years later and never saw her again. Go back and listen to last week. Never saw her again. And Esau, we, we read in Genesis 30, 32, 3, Esau goes off and lives in the, the hill country of Seir, or what we call Edom. So first, Jacob flees for his life, leaves his family. But secondly, Jacob flees to redemption. And that's the interesting thing, I think, for you and me this morning. You can't leave, son, until you talk to your daddy. And she had talked to his father, Isaac. And something had happened since that family blew up, since that family ruptured. Something happened since the last passage we read. And here's what happened. Esau not only despised his birthright and lost his birthright, Esau despised God's commandments about marrying someone who is not a believer, if you're a believer. Esau has married two Hittite women from the land, and his parents are destroyed over it. I mean, you notice, you, you say, oh, Rebecca's being melodramatic. What good is my life to me as he marries these, these pagan people who don't believe in Yahweh and, and brings them in here? What good is my life? I mean, that's kind of melodramatic unless you're placed in that culture. And that's exactly what they would say. And, uh, and, and it turns out, as they are just so pained, that Jacob's fleeing is going to have an additional theme other than keeping his life. And that theme is to, to find a believing wife among the clan of that people who worship Yahweh and the covenant and the promise and the line of the Messiah. Everything will go forward through Jacob and his marriage. We read in verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women, there's two of them, that Esau went and married. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be? And then Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from among the Canaanite women. Get up, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife one of his daughters, one of the daughters of Laban. And God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples, a growing group of peoples, plural. And so Jacob's flight is not just fleeing from Esau. It is, it is fleeing to God's will. It is fleeing to marriage in the faith. And in so doing, it is fleeing to the redemption of that family situation. He is fleeing to redemption. And the whole family's future is riding on Jacob and whether he will do what his, parent, his dad and mom told him to do. It's interesting that just as Jacob is at the lowest point in his entire life, all his deceptions have now come back to him. And they all have a knife point that's going to be you know, aimed right at his throat. Just as he gets to this lowest point and has to run and, and in destitute, you know, 
This is the exact moment that his father Isaac, I mean, blesses him for real. He thought he was blessing Esau, remember? When Isaac got blessed because he, 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 he tricked the father Isaac into giving Esau's blessing to Jacob. But now Jacob calls him in and blesses him and he gives him the blessing. The blessing that God gave to Abraham is now, that is passed along to Isaac, is now given to Jacob. Verse 4, may he give the blessings of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you. And may you take possession of the land that, God, that you're sojourning in uh, that God promised to Abraham. That, that is the blessing. And it's at this point of crisis, like at the worst time, that this becomes where the change begins to happen. Isn't it interesting in our lives? We can just be in the, the worst places, or the hardest places, the saddest places, the most challenging places, the most frustrating places, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. And, and we look back and we say, you know, that was where God began to work in my life. I kind of got to the end of myself, and God began to really work in my life. And, he, and, and God is about to grow Jacob through 20 years in the school of hard knocks. But God's going to transform him into the next patriarch of the covenant, of the line of the promised Messiah. Now, next week, we'll, we'll have that story of Jacob's dream of a ladder. Called what we call Jacob's Ladder, the ladder that extends from heaven to earth and angels are going up and down the ladder. That is all about the promised Messiah. And you'll kind of, you can come here about that and, and how this promise is going forward through Jacob. And Jacob is going to become one of the most revered and remembered men of the faith. One day, God is going to rename him, and we'll get there. But one day, the name Jacob, deceiver, heel catcher, is going to become a revered name. So much so that people begin to name their children Jacob. So much more so that in this very group of people, we have Jacobs. And we got people that have named their children Jacob. Not because of heel catching, but because of all God's grace did in that man's heart. And who he became. Jacob is an honorable name. Because of God's work in his life. And one day, God himself will be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. God himself will be called by Jacob. That transformation. Because you couldn't see all that when he was about to run out of his tent and just run in the back in the back country, not even on the highways where Esau could find him and intercept him with, with nothing and run for his life. Now you only find that this young man has blown it and he's got to flee. So what does all this have to do with you and me. You know, you might see your life and your pathways 
with God as somewhat more winding than straight. You might view yourself that way. And, uh, you know, for lots of reasons of kind of what we get ourselves into, kind of what we find ourselves into as other people impact our lives, and just different things that happen in a fallen world. But that, that road is much more winding if we really started to look at it. And you might be a little down about where you are right now. And let me tell you, if you're just kind of down about where you are right now, or some aspect of your life, and you need some hope, this passage is for you. This is for you. Um, the, center, the, the, um, the, the Messiah, rather, is not promised anymore. He's already come. He has already taken the problem that we have before God. The, the son of David has come, who is the son of Juba, Judah, of the tribe of Judah, who is the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. He has come. He has removed the barrier that we have between us and a holy God, which is our sin. He did that by taking our sin upon himself, dying on the cross. Our sins were nailed to him. He defeated our sin, take, taking away the barrier between us and God on the cross. And he gives us new life in the resurrection. And let me tell you something. The most important thing isn't just what you do with God. The most important thing is who God is to you. What God has done for you. Is God still a promise-making and a promise-keeping God as he is shown to be in the Old Testament? Is God still a God of grace? And a God where, where lambs and bulls and goats die and are slain in blood, life for life is applied and it's his own son. It is the Messiah. If you are trusting for your life, for your salvation, for your future, and what God has done for you in this Messiah, let me tell you something. This God is, your, is the God of your past? And I want to start there because there are a lot of people that let, need to let God be the God of their past. There are a lot of bitter people walking around here that God's grace could do a lot for their past. He is the God of your present right now. And He is the God of your future. And you can count on Him. And, and you can know that He is going to lead you. You can know that, hey, look, we detour. God never lets go of us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we can flee right now to redemption. And I'll explain what that means in just one moment. You know, a lot of times in my life, and I'm assuming maybe in yours too. And different times in our lives, frankly, are different. Even in our walk with the Lord. But um, sometimes it feels like we end up kind of backing into God's will. You know what I mean by that? You know, it, it, it's like God is working in us. But He's kind of working in spite of us. And... Um, one thing leads to another. That's the way things do, you know. Things happen. That's what they always do. They happen. 
our choices aren't always the best and other people's choices aren't always the best. And, and one thing kind of leads to another and those things become, become the subset of events that are definitive for us. That are where we are. There's a reason we got to where we are, whatever it is. That becomes the subset of events that is kind of definitive. That becomes the new starting point for God's next move. We, look, we don't have the ability to move God's starting point. He, he is the God of our present, as well as our past, and as well as our future. And um, our lives are a wandering, kind of winding road. But the God of promise, the God of grace... Trust me on this. He don't waste anything. He don't waste anything. He's going to take all of it. Even the misadventures of his people. He's going to use it for his glory. So wherever you are in your life, if you've got the Lord, and more importantly, that means he's got you. He's got you. You need to believe that he's got you. You need to believe this. And, um, and I want you to know that, that you and I today can begin to flee from the things that are killing us, threatening to kill us spiritually. Let me just say that again. I want you to think of Esau threatening to kill Jacob. We can acknowledge that God is king over our lives and the love of our lives, we can find ourselves in a place that we didn't think we would be. And we can begin the process of fleeing from the very things that threaten to spiritually kill us. We can repent and we can flee to Christ. And we can do what is right there in front of us because it is. Isn't it better to live with what is than always pretend something should be? Or be mad that it's not enough. Enough of play life. Enough of being some other person that you're really not. Before God, He sees it. It is good, by the way. He loves you. He sees you and He loves you and He, and he loves me. And uh, we can do what's right there actually in front of us as we turn to God, and it can be to His glory. And this could be a very new beginning in your history. You know, Jesus said, you don't find your life by trying to find it and find it and find it and make it. You, you find your life by losing it with Him. You know, we, we seek first the kingdom and Him and His righteousness. And all these things are, are added to us. And sometimes, y'all, we just have to live forward from a place that we didn't think we would be. And there are lots of reasons how we got there. And they're not all, all the reasons aren't about us. Sometimes they are like Jacob and his schemes. But folks, that is where God has us. That is where God finds you this morning. And that is precisely where God wants 
to work in your life. Bullseye you right now the way you really are. You don't have to dress it up. You don't have to pretend. I'm telling you, if you have Christ, God loves you. He's not detoured. He's there. He's there. And He wants to move in our lives. Would you like that? Would you like that? You see, God's will is not like some board game. Where it's always forward and forward and upward and onward. No, it is is more like that winding journey. A very winding journey that includes many elements that we would have never foreseen would be a part of our story. But that's where we are. And somehow, God who is king, who reigns, somehow God's larger will for our lives as we walk with Him, somehow it all becomes our story. That is His story for us. The story, all of that, becomes the story of God working in our lives. One of the reasons is because we see our need and reach out to Him. And it it may be much more painful for us because of all the winding. Just a little aside, you know, because you could take maybe what I'm telling you and say, well, what that means is you can do whatever you want to do and God's going to make it okay. I'm not denying that God will make it okay. It's just how much pain do we want to inflict on ourselves. God's will is in our winding. All the winding ain't necessary. It may be much more painful for us because of our whining, but God is still there and he is, he is over it all. And, and the story of Jacob, is, this is the story of Jacob. This is not a beautiful, straight storyline of godliness. This is not a person that the Bible is setting forth as somebody for us to be just like. The Bible is setting forth Jacob just the way the Bible set forth Isaac and Abraham And all these other sinners as people who need grace and who can count on God and are loved by Him and can live by faith. Jacob's life is not an example for us to follow. This is the story of a real life in a fallen world. Lived by a sinner. And it's the story of a God of grace that cannot be detoured from us who comes after us and loves us and will direct us and it is the story of Jacob learning to trust God in all the grit that will lead to God's glory in his life that's the story and it is exactly where God will begin to work in our lives and it turns out That He is able, even with our misadventures. You ready for this? This is how sovereign God is and so gracious. Even with our misadventures, He is able to work in our lives in ways that are good, that simply might not have been even possible without the misadventures. 
I don't know how that strikes you. That, that really helps me. Wouldn't have been possible otherwise. So let me just close by saying, sinners. And if you're not a sinner, then please just don't listen to what I have to say closing, okay? Sinners, me and you. Loved by God. Purchased by God's own blood. Time to flee. To redemption. He is Let's pray. Lord, this is the most convoluted and most wonderful story of your grace. It is so painful. It just has layers. Layers of fractures. And explosions. And damage and collateral damage. And yet, it's the story. It's the story of your covenant. It's the story of your promise. We can't get over the fact that this guy's story is the story. Why would you pick somebody like that? Because we are just like that. Lord, help us to see our lives honestly before your face. And Lord, help us today to have our our heads lifted to the reality of your sovereign mercy and your grace. Help us to repent, Lord, of our determination to just run our own lives and want to follow you again. Lord, help us to be unafraid of all the hard things that will be before us as you are the great untire of knots. And you want to untie some knots in our lives and in our families and and in our relationships. Lord, let us not be afraid of the faith that will require. Lord, help us as those freed by the cross to take up our cross. And follow you and be given faith and turn the grit into glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.